Well, good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. We are so grateful uh, that everyone is here in the room today, including all of those that are visiting online. We just love being together to worship the Lord. Amen? So whether you're here in person or you're uh, participating online, thank you for coming today. And I'm, I'm excited that I get to fill in for Pastor John. Brother, it is an honor to fill your shoes. Thank you. And I'm shocked at what I get to do today. I get to close out this, this great series that we've been going through called Hey Siri, which hopefully my phone doesn't chime in at this moment. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's been this series where we get to explore how to have a meaningful life. So if you would, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been walking through this book, which kind of helps us see how to have this journey. And if you're using the Bible in the seat back in front of you, It'll be on page 557. Or if you're like me and you don't want to use a book, you're welcome to pull out your smartphone, pull up your favorite Bible app, or go to BibleGateway.com, and let's follow God's Word together. Our opening scripture reading will come from the book of Ecclesiastes. It'll be chapter 9, verses 13 through 18. And I do ask if you're able to please stand in the honor of reading God's Word. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning in verse 13. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was, a, there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come here this morning and freely worship you. Lord, you have a purpose for us. You have a plan for us, and that's to have a meaningful life in you. I pray as we open your word, as we explore it, that we can see it, that there is hope for us in you. Father, I praise you that we're able to gather this morning and worship you through music, through giving, through fellowship, and the opening of your word. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. This past week, my family went on vacation, and we decided to drive to Florida. Who here has gone on that drive? Yeah. Is it fun? <laughs> I tell you what, the best, the best part of the journey to Florida for me is stopping at Bucky's in Alabama. All right, that's the halfway point for us, and, and we stopped. You get, you get a little groggy, you get some monster, and you're fine. You just keep on going. Well, we had a wonderful time in Florida. We went swimming in the pool almost every day. We went to the beach, got seashells, found a shark tooth. It was that small, but it counts. We got a shark tooth and we did something in Florida that lots of parents do. We brought our kids to Disney and we spent two days at Magic Kingdom. And one of the, the, the best moments for me was going on the Mad Hatter teacup ride. Now, if you don't know what this is, it's these huge teacups that you can sit in, and the whole ride spins around, and these teacups 
will spin also. But they only spin if you grab the center wheel in that teacup and turn it. So daddy got a hold of that wheel. Y'all, we were going fast. Everything's a blur. Have you ever seen Star Wars where they go into war, the light speed and the stars just zoom out? Like that was how everything looked. We were, the girls are laughing. They're giggling. The ride comes to a screeching halt. They fall over. We're dizzy. It was great. <laughs> but that wasn't the highlight of the trip for me. The highlight was getting to watch the 16-minute long fireworks show. There was music. Tinkerbell flew through the air. They used Cinderella's castle as a, as a screen to play clips from some of their popular movies. There was music. And I got to hold all of my girls in my arms the whole time. It was beautiful, and I loved it. And I'm proud of these girls. They, just, they stayed awake the whole day. We didn't get home till midnight. No one napped. And even the ride home, they weren't that cranky. They were, Jordan was like, what's next? What's next? It was great. But by the time we get in that room, they crashed. We had this, mo Leslie and I had this moment of quiet. And we started to reflect on our, tr on our trip and what we went through. And something we noticed was a pattern among families. We rarely saw anyone upset, angry, disappointed. Instead, we saw people happy, helpful. There was this air of joy. Whether you were in the lightning lane waiting five minutes or the regular lane waiting an hour and a half, there was this air of joy. And Leslie described the whole situation very well when she said, it's like they're having heaven on earth. And this is something we can all relate to, isn't it? We, we all experience these moments where we feel man, this is the best life can get. And then we go back to our everyday life, full of stress, anxiety, fear, worry. And we're left with just reflecting on these moments, wishing we could go back and experience more of the good life. But here's my question for you. Are those singular moments of happiness really the best life can get? I mean, vacations are great. I love them. I get to spend time with my family. But those vacation feelings never last. Instead, they're just an escape from everyday life. But what if I told you it's possible to experience more? What if I told you it's possible for you to experience a good and meaningful life? It's a life filled with purpose, where you feel whole. Who here wants a life like that? Who here wants a life where every day we feel purpose, we feel meaning, we feel fulfilled? Who wouldn't want this? So here it is. You ready? I'm going to tell you how to get it. You will experience a meaningful life when you're fulfilling the purpose God's planned for you you will experience a meaningful life when you're fulfilling the purpose God's planned for you. Now, at this moment, usually a lot of us kind of shut off our minds and we stop listening. And the reason is because we decided long ago that we're too messed up to be used by God for anything. Surely God doesn't have a plan for me, Thomas. You don't know what I've done. 
You don't know the horrible things I've gone through. I've done things you wouldn't imagine. Sure, somebody else has a good plan. Not me. It's really difficult for us to see how God made us when all we do is look at our past. Don't let yesterday's decisions take away what God has for you today. Listen, everything I say this morning doesn't matter unless we cling to the truth that God is bigger than our mistakes. God is so big, so loving, so merciful, so forgiving, that your past never stops him from loving you. Whatever stage of life you're in, God loves you and has a plan for you, for you to experience a meaningful life through him. And the first step that we can take in order to experience this meaningful journey is to pursue godly wisdom. So what is wisdom? It's more than knowledge, right? It's, it's knowing the right thing to do and then doing it. It's the ability to make godly choices. Solomon describes what it's like if we're living a life with a whole bunch of head knowledge and not knowing what to do with it. He says in chapter 9, verse 12, like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time. And what he's talking about here are people that are, that are making terrible life choices because they lack godly wisdom. And they keep making these mistakes over and over and over again until they finally get to a point where they get out of the wrong path and they get on the right one. The first step onto that right path, on a journey to have a meaningful life, is to pursue godly wisdom. But Solomon warns us what will happen if, if we begin this pursuit and we treat wisdom like we treat knowledge and just put it on the bookshelf of our minds. He says in chapter 10, verse 1, dead flies make the perfume ointment give off a stench so that a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Now stick with me here. This is kind of one of those, huh, moments. Dead flies, what? what? But there's beautiful imagery here that I want you to see. First, how does Solomon describe perfume or wisdom, perfume? Gave her the answer. He describes wisdom as perfume. What does perfume do? It gives off a pleasing aroma, right? Guys, when your wife is getting ready for date night and she comes out and she comes out of the room and she enters and she gets close to you, whether it was a spritz on the neck or she used herbal essence shampoo, woo! <laughs> Smells good, don't it? You're like, man, come here, babe. That's what it's like when we're using godly wisdom. When we use godly wisdom in everyday life, it gives off a pleasing aroma around us and it attracts and draws people in. Yet if we know godly wisdom and we choose not to use it, what happens? We give off a stench. We stink, we reek. It's like being out working in the yard all day and then immediately leaving to go to a fine dining experience. You stink. You're in the, you're, you're in the wrong environment for how you smell. And it's off-putting. People don't want to be around you. Go to that table. No one wants to be near you. 
The Bible calls this foolishness. Yet praise Jesus that even when we mess up and we start to reek, his blood can wash us clean today. If you want to have a meaningful life, a good life, fulfilling the purpose that God's designed for you, then make a decision today to begin pursuing godly wisdom and use it. And you will give off a pleasing aroma that attracts. So how do we make that transition? How do we begin to pursue godly wisdom? How do we acquire it? How do we stop using just our knowledge and use what God's given us? Well, it starts by what hopefully all of you have in your hands right now. A little over 10 years ago, when I, when I began working in ministry, I mentored under a pastor. And I had tons of questions. How do I grow a ministry? What happens if, if I make a mistake? What are the pitfalls I'm going to experience? What are the highlights? I had all these questions. And so I, my first meeting with him, I sit down and y'all know me, I can talk fast. And I'm rattling off question, 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 question. And he just gives me this smirk and just lets me get it all out. And then he gets up from his desk and he walks over to his bookshelf and he goes through all this line of books and stops. He pulls out this one book and he hands it to me. And he says, go read it. Three years later, I'm involved in a ministry and I had high hopes going into it. It's the first ministry I had ever led and it wasn't going well. It wasn't growing People were barely participating. And this was going on for about seven months. And I'm, and I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong? What's happening here? I don't get it. Why is it not growing? Why is there no fruit? Is there something wrong with me? What steps am I not taking? So I go to this pastor and I'm feeling discouraged and I'm feeling defeated. And I'm like, bro, what do I do? I, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And he just looks at me and says, did you read that book I gave you? No. I didn't. And he says, I gave you that book because I knew you would be experiencing what you're going through right now. I wanted to prepare you ahead of time for what you were going to experience. So go back, read the book, and then come back to me so we have something to talk about. We treat God like this. We'll start to pray. Something bad will happen, a hardship, a trial, some stress. And we'll start to pray and we'll be like, God, help me here. I don't know the decision I'm supposed to be making. I need some help here. Give me some knowledge. Give me some wisdom. Give me some help. And we're acting like God's going to connect to our soul's Wi-Fi and just download information into our, into our heads. Yet he's looking at us the whole time like, have you even read my book? Many of us are circling around the same problems, the same hardships, the same issues, and never getting out of it. Yet it's possible the reason why we're stuck in the first place is because we're trusting in our own knowledge instead of trusting in God's word because we've never opened his book to read it. And we live in a time well, we really don't have an excuse. We always say, oh, I'm so busy. I've got so many things going on. W well, how many of us have a smartphone? 
I don't think anybody here can't raise their hand. Smartphones, everybody's got them in their hands. There's countless Bible apps. There's countless uh, Bible reading plans. There's Bibles in the pew racks in front of you that you could take as our gift to you. The Bible is one of the most accessible uh, pieces of information in the world today. And there is time in the day to read it. If we want to experience a meaningful life, have a life that's filled with purpose and hope, it starts by knowing and using godly wisdom, which means we need to be in his word. Everything you need is within your reach. Solomon has encouraged us to pursue godly wisdom. He's told us to faithfully pursue it. And if you do, it begins the journey to having a meaningful life. But I want to show you the the value in the wisdom. It's not just a a checkbox for you to have like, okay, meaningful life, pursue godly wisdom, check. I want to show you its value. Solomon tells us in chapter 9, verse 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war. Let that marinate for a moment. Matter of fact, I I want us to say it out loud together. Say it with me once. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. I want you to think about that. Think about what that verse is saying. There's incredible power in wisdom. I mean, think about what's going on in the Ukraine right now all the missiles and gunfire that we're seeing on the news, all the stories that we're reading online. There's incredible things going on over there. Yet, even though many of us may never experience armed combat in our lifetime, we all experience different types of warfare in our lives every day. Some of us here today are at war with our spouse, our children, or even their jobs. These battles are real, and we face them on a daily basis. Yet what God's word is telling us is we can endure and overcome anything in this life if we use godly wisdom. The best weapon, the most strategic weapon, the most advanced Weapon has been and always will be godly wisdom. When we pursue his wisdom and use his wisdom in everyday life, we will give off an aroma that's attractive and others are going to want to know, what's different about you? How did you save your marriage from the brink of divorce? How did you break free from your addiction? How can, how can you love somebody that hates you? People will want to know how you have had unimaginable victory in your life, and you can tell them God did it. If it was up to me, everything would have fallen apart. God did it. His word, his wisdom guided me through the storms of life, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The first step to experience a meaningful life, a purpose-filled life, is to pursue 
godly wisdom. Read his word and live his word. The second step that we're to take is to trust God in all things. It's really easy to trust God when things go easy, right? When our girls started the school year this year, Natalie and Jordan were begging me, Daddy, please let us be a bus rider. <laughs> Natalie was going into first grade. Jordan was going into kindergarten. And they got to take the same bus because they're at the same campus, Barbers Hill ECC. Love that place. And uh, they begged me, Daddy, let us ride the bus together so we can have breakfast together and walk to class together. We want to do it together. Okay. I mean, they were super excited. Make it easy on Daddy. Totally cool with that. And so for three quarters of the whole year, they're, they're doing bus rider, and they loved it. And then about three or months ago or so, they both came to me and said, Daddy, we want to be a car rider now. <laughs> no. You said you want to be bus rider. We ain't doing that. I've seen that line down Eagle Drive. <laughs> that ain't happening. But these girls are, are just as stubborn as daddy. And for every other day, they're, daddy, let us be a car rider. Let us be a car rider. And finally, I'm like, all right, tell me why. Why do you want to be a car rider? Because the bus takes an hour long to get to school, and we want to spend that hour with you. <laughs> okay. Monday morning, we, uh, we'll, be, we'll try car rider out. And y'all... It was easy. I couldn't believe it. Like, there's silence in here now. Y'all are like, what? There was no cars, no line, no traffic. We just rolled up smoothly. Teacher opened the door. Kids got out. Whee! They, and they, they went off to their class. And I was like, this is easy. Parents complain about this? What? And so I decided, you know, I'm going to try it again on Tuesday. Tuesday, y'all, the whole week, no traffic, no lines, smooth. And I'm like, oh, I got this. This is easy. I don't, I don't get it. And I told Leslie, yeah, maybe we'll just do this for the rest of the year. No big deal. So apparently half the families in all of Barbers Hill were on vacation that previous week. Because <laughs> I don't know where those cars came from. No one's moving. Like... There's no oncoming traffic, and y'all sit there to turn. Y'all got to be on your smartphones. Like, there's no reason why the line doesn't move. And the girls are looking at the clock, and they realize they're about to miss breakfast, and they start screaming, we're going to starve. <laughs> You've got snacks in your backpack. Then we'll starve later. Like, you know, it was so easy to trust God when life was good. But what happens when life happens? What happens when we're running late, we lose our job, we get hurt, sick, betrayed by someone we trust? Tragedy strikes or someone dies suddenly. Where's our faith then? Where's our trust in God in that moment? It's hard for us to trust God when life gets tough because we want control. And I believe that's what Solomon's getting at when he says in chapter 11, verse 15, just as you do not know how the path of the wind goes, nor how the bones of a fetus form in a mother's womb, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. 
And what the main point Solomon's getting at here is he wants us to know that this life, whether good or bad, it's not about you. He says, you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Holding on to the things of this life is like trying to grip onto sand. It's just going to slip through your fingers. This is why our hope, our faith, our trust must be in Christ in all things. He's the one who has a plan, not just for all of creation, but for you. What does Jeremiah 29, 11 say? For I know the plans I have for you. And this is God speaking. God's saying he has a plan for you. And Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, that in all things, all things involving this plan that God has for you, both good and bad, God works for those who love him. Love him. God works for the good of those who love him. That means whether good or bad happen in this life, God will use it for good because he's got a plan for you. When things happen in this life that make it hard for us to trust God, remember, you have a purpose. He has a plan for you. It's a good plan. Whether you're thrown into a lion's den, stuck in a parent drop-off line, or tragedy strikes your family, don't be nervous. You've got a purpose. Listen, I know you're worried about things today. You're worried about the inflation, prices of things are going up, paycheck is not. How are we going to put food on the table? How are we going to fill our gas tank? I confess, when I dropped my kids off this, at school this past Wednesday morning, I couldn't help but have a little worry. But the Lord is with you. He's walking with you through everything, and he will never leave you. That's why we set our hope, our faith, our trust in Christ, in all things, good and bad, because our help doesn't come from the world, it comes from the Lord. We can have hope when tragedy strikes, because God's got a plan for us, and we can trust him God's never promised that we won't experience hardships in this life, but what he did promise is that he'll bring us through it so we can trust God in all things. To experience a meaningful journey, to have a purpose-filled life, we must pursue godly wisdom. We must trust God in all things. And we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. Solomon tells us in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, Now all that has been heard, here is the final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. The summary of all that Solomon has been telling us through the entire book of Ecclesiastes 
Just be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful to God. Trust Him in all things. Being obedient to the Lord both pleases God and fulfills your destiny. Being faithful is probably one of the hardest things any of us can do. Because as we're taking our steps into tr- uh, having godly wisdom, reading his word and living his word, trusting God in all, all, in all things, you know what's going to happen? Our old self is going to creep into our mind and start whispering to us. And what we're going to hear are all these what-if scenarios trying to get us to stop pursuing God, stop pursuing his wisdom, stop experiencing a meaningful life. And we're going to hear things like, well, what if I mess up? What if, what if people laugh at me? What if, what if I lose my friends? What if I lose my job? What if I end up alone? What if, what if, what if? And we end up going down this what if tornado because what we're doing is projecting our past mistakes onto our future potential. But what God wants you to know is if you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, all of your sins have been washed clean, past, present, and future. So when you're looking at the mountain of hardship in front of you, the trials on the horizon, don't be overwhelmed by it. Don't start wondering, how am I going to handle that? What if I, make, what if I go down this road? What, what if I do what God tells me to do and it goes wrong? What, what if I make mistakes? What if, what if, what if? Don't look, to the, don't look at your horizon of trials. Look above it. And see that your help doesn't come from this world. It comes from the Lord. Pursuing godly wisdom is the beginning of, of truly fulfilling the purpose that God's planned for you. And as we pursue godly wisdom, how we apply it is trusting that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. That no matter the trial, no matter the hardship, no matter the stress, no matter the anxiety, he's with us. He's never left you. As a matter of fact, when things feel like they're going wrong and we feel that God's presence is away from us, that he's abandoned us, that he's left us, he's not. We just can't see him because our sins covered our eyes. But he's here the whole time. And he's here the whole time loving us. And as we are blinding ourselves by our mistakes, our what-if scenarios, wondering... uh, I don't, I don't think I can do this on my own. He has his hand on our shoulder guiding us where we need to go. He has never left you. He never has and he never will. He's guiding you through everything in life. So trust him. Trust him even when it gets hard. And the fruit of that pursuit will be a meaningful journey. It'll be a life filled with purpose and hope. So when's a good time to start this? When's a good time to start this pursuit? Uh, if, if we feel like we, we don't have it all together and 
We know we want to experience this meaningful journey. When do we start? How do we do it? Where do we begin? Well, start today. Start today. Don't wait until hardships come and then begin to pray, God, give me wisdom. That'd be no different than old Thomas going to the pastor he was under and being like, I made all these mistakes. I don't know how to handle this ministry. What do I do? And he's like, did you read my book? Don't wait until trials come and then begin your journey. Start today. Start today. You can't build a firm foundation to a building in the middle of a storm. You build it before the storm hits. That way, when the waves and wind crash against you, you can stand firm. You'll have peace and rest beyond understanding because you know that I don't got this. He's got this. He's got a plan for you, and he will see it through to the end. I want to challenge everyone here today to be faithful. Faithfully pursue godly wisdom. Faithfully trust the Lord in all things. Be faithful to the Lord and you will experience a meaningful life. Thomas, I don't know how to be faithful. I'm not really consistent. I want to be consistent. But if I look at the pattern of my life, I've, I've bought a lot of books I haven't read. I've made a lot of promises I haven't kept. I don't, I don't know how to be consistent. Where do I start? How do I start being faithful? Well, it starts with reading your Bible every day. There's Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you. Take one. If you don't have a Bible of your own, take one as our gift. We don't care. We'll go buy more. If holding a Bible in your hand or holding a book in your hand is not your thing, again, there's countless Bible apps out there for free. Grab one. Start reading today. Okay? Uh, How long should I read the Bible for? I'm going to tell you a secret. It doesn't matter. Now, I know there's probably some people in here like, oh, it does matter, Thomas. Listen. Listen. If we're not reading the Bible at all and we start reading the Bible every day, we're on the right track. I mean, uh, sure, the goal is to eventually increase our time, but if you don't have a habit of reading the Bible every day and now you are, praise Jesus because you're on the right track. You're on the right track because you're talking to God. And if His Word tells you to do something, you do it. You believe it and you live it. Why? Because I want to enjoy a meaningful life that God will bless and I want you to experience it too. But the only way anyone can truly do any of this, the only way anyone can pursue godly wisdom, trust God in all things and be faithful is if we've trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You see, we all have something common in this room. We're all sinners. We've all messed up. No one here is innocent. No one here is perfect. We've done things we're ashamed of. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This sin that we're all guilty of demands payment. 
It's got to be taken care of. It's got to be rectified. And the payment for this is death. Something or someone has to die in order to satisfy the great cost of sin. And that's what makes the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross so important. Because Jesus is the only one that could pay the cost of that sin. Because he is God. Jesus had to die to be our perfect sacrifice so all of our sins, past, present, and future, can be forgiven. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, salvation, is available through Jesus Christ. Because of this great sacrifice, because of his free gift of salvation, today is the day of our salvation. We can believe in Jesus today and be cleansed of all of our sins, all of our mistakes, all of our mishaps. Everything that we feel like has pulled us away from God can be forgiven and we can have a relationship with the true and living God today. Jesus paid the price of our salvation. And this salvation simply isn't for our sins, which that alone is mind-blowing. It does do that, but it does something else. It restores us to God. It restores our heart, it restores our mind, and God breathes new life into you today. And where all of this begins is by acknowledging, I don't got this. I can't do any of this. I can't, I can't pursue godly wisdom. I can't trust, trust God when things go hard. I, I, can't, I, can't do, I, don't, I can't do it. It starts with acknowledging that I don't have any of this under control. I can't do any of this on my own. And the only way I can be set free, the only way I can discover purpose and have a meaningful life, the only way I can be saved from my spins and sins and spend eternity in heaven is by trusting in Jesus as my Savior. If you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with God, you know you're not right with Him, you want your sins to be forgiven, I encourage you today, this morning, to call out to Him. And if you like, while the worship team is up here leading our final song, I'm going to be down front. And I would find it an honor to start you on your journey to discovering a purpose-filled life. It would be a pleasure. I would be overjoyed to introduce you to the Jesus that died for you. Call out to Jesus today for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you do this in faith, he will save your soul. And today, today will become your first day in discovering the purpose that God has planned for you. And you will begin to experience a meaningful life. Let's pray.